Jeff. I'm Tom. And pitch hitting tonight for Kim. I'm Nick. And we are three old Reds fans coming to you from Studio 82, just down the street from our good friends at Beans in the heart of Cedarville and the birthplace of Bumpus Jones. Actually, this week we are two old Reds fans and one young one. Kim is on vacation out having his Western adventure uh, in such remote places as Billings, Montana, Idaho, all kinds of places. Staying away from St. Louis. Staying away from St. Louis as much as possible. Um, uh, Maybe he was in L.A. this weekend and we didn't know it. We can blame him. Yeah, there you go. That's a good idea. But filling in for him is Nick Carrington. And Nick is a a friend of mine. We work together. And um, he uh, does some writing for the Red Red Leg Nation blog. That's right. And um, just tell us how you kind of, before we jump into all the stuff we want to do, just tell us why you're a Reds fan and how long you've been a Reds fan and um, how you got writing for the blog and what, what you, why you like to do that. Sure. So uh, my, my father grew up in the big red machine era. And, like us. And like you. <laughs> so I'm here to learn from my elders on this podcast today. <laughs> Um, and just and just loved the team and told all the old stories about uh, the grade eight and those guys and so my brother and I were indoctrinated as kids and we couldn't escape it and so listening to Marty and Joe on the radio by the fire constantly at night there's nothing we could do uh, my mom had no power over the situation <laughs> it's just it's soothing to listen or was to listen to Marty and Joe Mark Joe's not there anymore no kind of a soothing summer uh, or yeah. kind of part of being summer it was part of being summer and those are special memories and joe was always the optimistic one i miss joe yeah. joe was very optimistic i miss the uh, cheers behind the home run call <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, yeah, get out of here get out of here those were good and he, he got a little slurred speech as the game went on as well well yeah and he had the nice uh yeah, he had the whistle one on his S's, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the end of his career, I remember this, uh, listening to a game with my dad once, and I'll never forget this. It was a 2-1 to one ball game. The Reds, Reds were winning, and there were two guys on for the other team, and they hit a fly ball, and Joe said, fly ball left field, going back, and my dad and I thought, oh, it's a nice routine fly ball. And then the next thing he says, and it's a four to two ball game. And we were <laughs> we were enraged. <laughs> he never said home run. No, we thought uh, we thought it was a routine out. And yeah. so, well, that was Joe. That was Joe. So tell us about the uh, uh, the blog and why you why you enjoy doing that and how long you've been doing it. Uh, the blog started, I think, in January 2015. They had a call for writers, and being a writer myself and, and, and obsessed with the Reds, I thought this is this is the perfect way to apply those skills. And so I applied, and against their better judgment, they gave me this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've regretted it ever since, so uh, they can't get rid of me. Well, that, that blog's grown pretty fast. Yeah. It seems like it has. You know, we get... We get I think three to five thousand visitors a day, and up, um, especially around the trade deadline, we get up maybe around eight thousand visitors a day. So mm-hmm. they do pretty well. Yeah, well, you get us three old Red fans reading it every week under that. Yeah, yeah, we look at it. I get it, pops in in my email, whatever that, whatever it's new. I subscribe and just, you know, do I take time? Do I have time to read every post? No, but I look at see what's there. Some things I'm more apt to read than others. Um, I know you don't do like the recap stuff, and some other guys do that, but. Um, you write some other pieces. Um, uh, what's the kind of the favorite thing you wrote? 
I do a lot of feature pieces where they let me come up with some ideas, and as long as it's not too crazy, they let me run with it. But mm -hmm. I think my favorite piece was actually writing about um, how the relationship between baseball, the Reds, and my family, and, and how that was passed down to me. I think it's called a Reds family. Um, and just special memories of growing up like that and looking forward to those things. I have a two-year-old son and a 10-month-old son, and they don't have a chance. They're, <laughs> they're decked out in Reds gear. Yeah. When I left today, my son was in full Reds gear. He's 10 months old. <laughs> you're so, a good man. Um, that means you're a good father. That's right. <laughs> Raise them in the way they should go and all of that. So yeah. we... Uh, I, that was my favorite piece, just being able to reflect on, on my Reds fandom and what it's meant to my family, because yeah. it's, it's the way that my father and I really bonded, mm -hmm. uh, and I hope something that I can do with my children, too. Yeah, I had that same kind of experience myself. I mean, I can remember my grandparents listening to Marty and Joe. You know, when I go over to their house, they'd have right. the game on, right? Yeah. And then my dad, in fact, my dad and I, we always had this little square radio we brought to the games with us, and we listened to the game while we were at the game. I, I exactly. still have, my dad died, I still have the radio on my shelf that we used to take to the games. I just couldn't. Did you keep score? I kept, I kept score. Dad didn't. But okay. I used to like to keep score. Well, yeah. my two-year-old got to go to his first game, and he got, they gave him a first game certificate. Oh, that's we, neat. You know, again, it's neat, and it's framed, and it's special to me. He doesn't care a lick about it, but <laughs> it's, it's special to me. That's yeah. cool. And did you go to many games when you were growing up? I mean, you were you over know, in Portsmouth area, and it's not super close. Getting into high school and college, I started going to more games. We went to Riverfront a few times um, growing up, probably, I don't know, six to eight times during my childhood. But I, I think there was a season when I was in high school or college where we started going eight to ten times a year with mm -hmm. friends. We'd just get a group together, and it was fun go. to go down to the ballpark. And mm -hmm. you get pretty cheap tickets. Oh, yeah. Usually the bleachers out there in left field. Mm -hmm. We had the $4 tickets re with uh, because uh, didn't they just have four dollar tickets? Or they're going this to weekend them? for this, Pete Rose? This weekend, four tickets for um, uh, twenty eight. Yeah, and they I were doing, and they were doing some four dollar ones because the scooter. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, they were doing for something. I don't remember what the deal was. Riverfront used to have the top four for three dollars and fifty cents. Three dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, you buy those and then move down. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what we did. So I can remember going to Riverfront in the early days when it was open, and it was. It was this beautiful thing then, and then of course oh, Jeff's was, the only one of the three of us that has been to all three parts. Yeah, I was at Crosley when I was a little kid, and I don't remember. I was probably five years old. I don't yeah. remember it, but I went to Crosley once. So that's what, my dad, that's what that. my dad tells me. So anyway, well, great. Well, we're pretty, we're glad to have you here, Nick. We're going to talk about some stuff and look for your insights. And so, just kind of leading off here, we I thought we look at the good and the bad and the ugly of the last week. We sort of. We do this every week, and so we sort of look at the season in weeks kind of right now instead of series so much. So the good, <coughs> pretty simple, right? Scooter and the sweep, right? Yeah. So um, did you get to watch it? Were you watching when Scooter? Were you watching that night? I did. I got to and see Scooter. We were all we watching. We were all watching. We were texting like, oh, my gosh, I can't be believe me. this. So, um, we, I mean, nobody saw that coming. Um I mean, you're a lot younger than us, Nick. Is that like the greatest thing you've ever seen in baseball? Uh, to see, especially to see a part-time player do that, um, you just don't expect something like that from him. Um, the no hitters from Homer were nice, but I think I think this might top him. Being <laughs> <laughs> a local kid, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, born in Cincinnati. I don't know where he went. He moved. I don't think he went to high school there. No, but he didn't. was he was born there, so that's cool. Um, yeah, and he, um, Joe Poznanski wrote a column. Do you know, do you know who Joe Poznanski yeah. is? Yeah. Writes for MLB, 
uh, used to write for Kansas City Star, longtime baseball writer, covered George Brett and all those guys back in those days. Um, he wrote a piece, and he said at the end of it, he was looking at lots of different things, and he had an interesting stat he was looking at, but at the end, he said, because of the sheer unlikeliness of it yeah. and everything else, and, and everything he did that night, this might be the greatest single performance anybody's ever had in baseball. And so that's well, an interesting. I mean, it you, is. It, I mean, it's in the top five if you want to start debating them. So, I, I mean, we debated this before. I mean, I think Reggie's three home runs on three pitches is pretty big. Is probably in the World Series. <laughs> yeah, that would be stage. hard. To, that would be hard to beat. The stage no, is that was, but but for a red, for a red, I mean, this you would have to say without question. Well, the only other thing you can match up with it is Vandermeer two back to back no hitters. Yeah, but that's not a single performance, but a single, but yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. A second it's one, a it's quite it's a feat. Feet. As far as a individual feat, those two things probably stand out. I mean, you know, Pete getting his the hit record and stuff like that is cool. Um, his hitting streak was was great. That's that's a top five thing in Reds history. Right. Is his hitting streak forty four games? So those things are. It's, it's interesting yeah. to think about where that matches up. So it's, it's not a, it's not a feat, but as a Reds fan, I think one of my favorite moments was the the Jay Bruce Clinchmas. Yeah. Home run. That was that was that more was exciting uh, just because of the stage and because it had been since, what, 95 since they had been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so I had lived a deprived life of non-Reds playoff baseball. I mean, you, I remember you, 95. Do you, but you don't remember 90. I don't remember 90. Yeah. Um, I was pretty young in 90. Um, That's like me not really remembering like 70. The early 70s. The early 70. I can right. remember... The 72 World Series is really the first thing I kind of have some... I can remember watching that series, yeah. but in 70, what I remember of it is probably because I've seen highlights. I don't really yeah. remember it, so... I mean, 95, I think, was the first year I can remember quite a bit with Ron Gant and Reggie Sanders and, and Larkin still... And Reggie course. Sanders striking out every time in the... That <laughs> that's what I remember. What a great year he had, man. That's all people remember. He struck out like 12 times. <laughs> yeah. But he looked good doing it. I was living in Virginia at the time, and they were doing the cutaways. They were showing every game. That's when they started showing yeah. games regionally and stuff. I like, oh, will take you to some Reds action. We'll switch over here. The Reds got two guys on base. Reggie Sanders up. He'd strike out. It's like I saw that like five times in a week. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, he did. So, but besides besides the clinchmas thing, uh, the scooter thing's up there. Yeah. As far as excitement. And, oh yeah. And okay, so this is a typical picture of this season, where we show brilliance, right? And you get because ex- it's a fun team to watch. They are fun. So you see brilliance, and then it just falls off in yeah. something like. The Dodger series. Huh? Yeah, so then we get to the bad, which was games one and two, right? First game was, was that the one they got blown out pretty much? Yeah. And then game two, they come back. We thought we had it. And we thought we were going to pull that out, and then Corey Seager happens. And then, and then, certainly then we, we get we the ugly on Sunday when I'm like, I'm already like, it's the last time I text and say, well, you know, everything holds. We're going to be within two games. I'm not doing that anymore. I, just no. took, I, feel well, like well, the, I feel like the total jinx on that, of course, I don't really believe with Jesus, Iggy, but with Iggy coming in, well, yeah. you got to feel like they're going to hold that. Yeah, but but I I would say it it was ugly. That was totally an anomaly, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Iglesias has been baseball. lights out, right? And he's just he was rusty coming back in after what three days off or whatever. So it happens. Those happen. You can't expect him to have a sub one ERA the whole season. No, now, so. it's nice to go to San Diego next. It's kind of like going to Philadelphia next or something. You have a yeah, not so a great team. Yeah, a little more success there. Um, not much, but L.A., what they lost? How many straight in L.A. Nine? they lost now? Nine. Eight or nine. 
It's yeah. maybe more than that. I don't know. Well, it's, LA's a pretty good team. I think the, the matchup in St. Louis was much better. St. Louis has such a struggling offense that it kind of mitigated our starting pitching concerns. And then yeah. LA's just a better team. Yeah, they are. They're a better team. I th- Still should have won one of those games. Yep. You know, you figure. If not two. We talked last week. We always talk about what kind of weeks it's going to be. And we're like, oh, I hope we go two and five. And then we, but we went four and three. In the end, it was a four and three week. Way better than we and expected. And that's over 500. So you have to just, that's the way this team is. You and take, we're still within. You take the good with the half? bad what and the right? ugly. And what are we now? Is it three? Is it two and a half out? It's, uh, something like that. It's three, yeah. I and think. And we, we got good news on the pitching front this week, too. Yeah. Homer Bailey and uh, Finnegan made starts in double A. Yeah, they did. Listen, I know they're not Johnny Cueto. But those guys are going to be a big upgrade to what oh, we have today. Because yeah. we have a bunch of AAA guys going. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, they, they're they picking people off the scrap heap now and pitching them. Buchanan out of the bullpen and Wojciechowski. Oh yeah. Bryce. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just been a lot of guys. Um, we'll move on to – let's switch on to – switch that. Since you start talking about pitching, let's switch gears here. Um, before we do that – Let's talk. Uh, just remind everybody to follow us on the Podbean app and our and the Pod Podbean website. Uh, you can just just search Three Old Reds fans if that's not where you found us. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio app, Pocket Cast, all kinds of other podcast apps. If you just search Three Old Reds fans, you'll find us. Um, subscribe to us. You know that'd be great. Uh, so you be sure not to miss any shows. Um, we have Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Tumblr, Pinterest, all kinds of stuff like that. You can search Three Old Reds fans. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. You know, um, you can talk to us any of those ways. We'll see it all. Um, tell us who you think the next Reds ace is going to be, because we're going to talk about that next. Um, if we have any clue on that whatsoever, uh, give us answers to trivia questions. We'll be doing a trivia question at the end uh, of today, and so. Um, and selfish that, plug. And selfish plug, and read Nick on uh, Red Leg Nation, and. Uh, um, you got something coming out soon? Uh, I'm supposed to do something this week, okay. but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm goes. behind on the times here. Okay, so we're about to talk about pitching, right? Yeah, so, so that was why, who can be the ace? Because we talked about this last week, and we're like, who's in the pipeline? I don't, I don't know it. if anybody's in the pipeline. So my question then, and I want your opinion first, Tom, if this is where you were going, can Bailey, DeSclafani, Finnegan, Maybe even Lorenzen if they let him start because a lot of people like put him in the rotation. I don't know if that's ever going to happen or if that's even a good idea. I haven't made up my mind on that. Can any of those guys come in and be still that number one? I mean, we're not going to get Kershaw, but are we? Can we get a Cueto type of guy out of any of those guys? What do you think? And then we'll see what if Nick thinks anything on that. So I would say no. I, I don't think any of those are a dependable every fifth day shutdown pitcher. Two? Are they twos? Oh, yeah. Twos and threes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Homer's proven to be a good two. I think Finnegan has potential okay. to be a two or three. But you know how nice it is to have somebody where, oh, well, you know, Kershaw's well, pitching. Well, that was great. We didn't, you know, we didn't have to face Kershaw this week, and I thought we ought to win at least one game. We went to face Kershaw. Well, and, you know, there went that theory. Mm-hmm. So, And that's big, the big difference with the cards, too, right? Well, they're not quite the same. They don't have that no. Wainwright or whatever to shut down. No, they're not as good. They're getting older. The aging is a big problem. The aging, yeah. What, what do you think? Any of these guys, can any of them be that? I mean, we hope a homer has the talent. That means it's going to happen. Well, I mean, you don't know what to expect. 
coming back from Tommy right. John surgery. I mean, he hasn't pitched in he hasn't really pitched in two years. So yeah. he True. was kind of on a good trajectory, I think, um, to really being maybe one of the top thirty guys in baseball. I don't know. I don't I, I think I generally agree that they're probably not going to find one from those guys, at least a Johnny Cueto type. Yeah. But you, you know, and I'm I'm concerned about Di Scafani too. Um, his injury, we might be looking at another Tommy John surgery, and they've waited so long that they may not have him back next year either. Yeah. Which is a concern. Finnegan, I I don't see him as an ace. Uh, the the command isn't there for me. He had the second highest walk rate of any starter in baseball last year and even if that improves it's a long way to improve to consider a guy like that an ace mm-hmm. he just can't walk people Lorenzen's the interesting guy to me in that he has two pitches that he they're probably his best pitches now he never threw as a starter in 2015 really? he never threw them once he had a very straight fastball that got hammered you yes. go look at the numbers in 2015 yeah. so he went the offseason he learned this really hard sinker and he learned this really hard cutter and they might be his two best pitches, and he never threw them as yeah, a Yeah, his cutter's nasty. Yeah, it moves a lot, um, and, and the sinker's really good, too. He just needed something that wasn't so straight, because no matter how hard you throw it, if it's straight, people will catch up to <laughs> They'll it. They'll hit it, yeah. <laughs> you can't throw it fast enough to throw it by it, these guys consistently. Exactly. And so it'd be interesting to see, if they ever gave him a chance, and I don't think they will, what that would look like. Why do you, what do you think's keeping him from trying him at start? Where do they got to lose? I don't know. That's the big question, isn't it? I mean, what 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 do you have to lose at this point? You know, they and they kept. I kept wondering if it was health, and they have repeatedly said in the inquiry that it's not health. They think he can handle start handle starters innings, but uh, and he only has to go five innings to be better. Than yeah, you know what? And I mean, he's gone three a couple times this year and pretty efficiently. Just give us six innings. That's all we need. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, he's part of the reason six innings works most of the time. Do you think they fear? would destroy the bullpen and that's a good thing we got going or they got Wandy and Iggy out there right yeah. so Storm's not Storm's yeah. good enough Sing- if Storm's you know, your third best guy I was wondering if he was waiting on Singrani to come back and and, oh and, and, and see it right I know how many chances I know, are we going to get I know but I can see that you know I'm just trying to think like they might think and they might think I think there's still some faith in Singrani in that on that team and if he could be solid that gives you an opportunity to move, certainly to move Lorenzen out without depleting your bullpen if he can be solid. But yeah, that's a. I'm not willing to bet the ranch on Singrani by any means. Okay. Just trying to just trying to put myself in their head. A little so if bit. we're sitting here saying there's not a number one, and, and would we all agree that you have to have a Cueto type pitcher in order to go into the playoffs? That's preferable. N- name I mean, name a team that hasn't at least gone second round of the playoffs without a shutdown. Number one, and you look at the Royals a few years ago. They traded for Cueto for right. that purpose to have him going right. into the playoffs. Yeah. And so my point is, if we're seeing that, how is the GM and how's Castellini? I mean, if he's really committed to winning, wouldn't you be looking for, you know, even trading a Cozart and somebody else for a a shutdown number one? It's hard to package to get one enough nowadays. people. Yeah, is right. it? Yeah, I mean, is there a guy like that who's going to be a free agent next year that anybody's willing to part with i can't think of one no and you know that probably somebody else would want to grab them like the brewers or someone right yeah. that's in first place yeah well, i'll say this about some of the young guys the minor league guys and i know reed and stevenson have had their struggles and things like that but you remember back johnny cueto's first two years weren't that, weren't that good yeah, you're he right struggled. that's a good point 
Uh, it took them, they gave them 60 some starts, which is one of the confusing things about what they're doing now with starting all these guys off the scrap heap is you had a lot of these young guys that couldn't do that much worse than what you've got going now. Give them their 60 starts and see what yeah, happens. Cueto had 60, 65 starts where he, he, he showed flashes, but he really struggled for two years until it all came together and he became Johnny Cueto. Here's the difference I think that I see, though, is when you watch a Feldman or an Alderman like who pitched yesterday, these guys are they're, they're just hitting 90, 91. They don't have really biting stuff. I mean, we talked about Alderman's best pitch is probably that curveball he has. But a lot of these guys don't have oh, really yeah. good stuff that could have. Maybe Stevenson might, right? Yeah, I'm talking to. about some of the, the, not those guys. We're talking about like Reed and Stevenson and some of the guys they have uh, even in double A, which I don't think they should bring up now. But Romano, once he gets going again, I think he had a rough outing last night or the night before. But. Mm-hmm. You would expect them in a rebuilding year, even though it's gone a little better than expected, to put those guys out there and see what they can do, especially because right now they have the worst rotation in baseball. Yeah, I'm mean, just looking, they're 28th you can't in Major go, League Baseball right now. You can't go pitching. much worse than that. And so that's what they did with Bailey, who struggled even worse oh, than Cueto, yeah. and that's what they did with Cueto was they gave him tons of starts, and they just said, work through it. Is it Maybe there's a – when those guys had got to struggle – they were struggling alongside three or four guys that really weren't. Is there a fear of having a bunch of these guys do this at once, even though that's what we're getting anyway? You know, I can see if you're contender having three or four guys that you're very dependable mm-hmm. and you let a Cueto or a Bailey struggle. Or a Garrett. Or a Garrett, like, like right now. But when you don't have anything ace – one, two, three level there. I don't know that they're not they're not taking that approach. And I think I wonder, maybe I that's why they like Bronson being there, because even though he he kind of sucks, he's <laughs> he's been there. You know, he has the year four, is it fourteen years or whatever. Yeah, well, the, he was the guy. I think that Jeff might be talking about one of the guys that when they had Cueto right. and Bailey and uh, even Volquez who were coming in, and these young guys who hadn't really proven themselves, and some of them really struggled. Arroyo was there. He was pitching. They had Harang, too. Had yeah. Some yeah, yeah, yeah. Harang was so solid. They had some stability. That's a good point, Jeff. I mean, I well, think- I just wonder if it's like, let's not throw too many of these guys in there at once, and they got nothing to lean on or learn from, and they're just going to be... I, I don't know. I, you know. I don't know what they think. They they don't tell us much what they think. No. They're pretty, you know, price is pretty buttoned up. He doesn't like yeah, there's no strategy discussion. No. He doesn't like to talk. They don't return my phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, nobody asks them good questions after the game on TV anyway. So, you know, because they don't ask really good questions. So, all right. So, cool. Um, one little note I added um, about, I was thinking today, was the bullpen has also become more traditional. Mm-hmm. You mean like with a setup and then a closer? There's, yeah. there's a piece on Red Leg Nation. Yeah, today. and I read that today, and I had met, I had thought about that last week after we had our show, and I thought, I want to talk about that. I meant to talk about that. And then I forgot to put it in our notes for today, and then I saw that piece. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I want yeah. to talk about that. So, Well, you say that, though, Jeff, but last night they put Iglesias in in the eighth. Well, I know. Which that's not a traditional. Not, not as traditional. I mean, he'll do that a lot, but he, it was bullpen by committee in the winter. And in all spring, we're going to be. But as soon as Iglesias decided to do this, 
it's become more traditional. Yeah. Now I don't. I'm not now. Whoever wrote the piece on the blog, he was. He wasn't happy. He's about pretty it. critical. He was very critical, critical of it, saying, "I thought we were going to have this new kind of bullpen, and now we got. Now we're back to square. Back to what everybody was doing. Square one, so to speak." So I don't. I mean, I think you got to be guys. Got to. I think it's helpful to know your roles a little bit than to be all over the place. But I think you can be outside the box now and then, which, I mean, Dusty never used a role us more than an inning. Right. Never. I mean, maybe right. a couple times, but really never. And he will use Iglesias a little soon. Like he, last night, he's like, I'm shutting this down. Well, it didn't work out, but, you know. So, I don't know. Anybody? I don't know if there's any research on, you know, I doubt it. It's all, it's, is, is there any saver metrics on? Having a ninth inning only closer versus not. I mean, uh, I mean, not that I know of. I mean, you you could dig around and make up your own. You'd have to kind of do your own research yeah. probably to figure that out. But the idea I think is just to use your best pitchers in the most critical situations. Exactly. Um, and, and I don't think Price has done a bad job. I think he's done a good job actually. I, I think you have to balance some of those things. I think they still might be concerned somewhat with Iglesias' arm troubles. Mm-hmm. They had him on a pretty good pace early in the season have a bunch of innings and it seems like they've kind of scaled that back still have Lorenzen on a pretty good uh, pitch inning type thing but uh, yeah I, I don't I don't really know if there's been a change in philosophy but he does seem to favor Iglesias in those later innings now where he brought him in in the fourth inning at one point yeah early, early in April in season, like in yeah. April yeah he so. he's the closer now I think uh, you I could th- say pretty definitively I, I think that that I agree with knowing your role I think that helps I don't have an issue with it I just kind of wonder what you guys thought I know it's it's just really changed I thought it was worth bringing up for a second all right we're gonna go throwback player of the week now when we go throwback we go back to the 70s and 80s. 90s. Now, I know you can't go back that far, Nick, but that's okay. Who, who, who? when you were a kid, whatever, who, who did you really like? I'm really proud of this one. Are you? I hope oh. you guys like this. I hope you guys like this. You can't say, like, Barry Larkin or something. <laughs> no, it's just too no, 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 easy. No, no. no, but I got a middle infielder. Do you oh, have any guesses? Okay. 90s? 90s middle no. infielder. Bip Roberts. No. That's a good guess. Uh, um, later, drafted in the early 90s, later 90s into, into the new century. Uh, I don't know. Just tell us. <sighs> Pokey Reese. Pokey oh, Reese. Pokey Reese. Reese. I love Pokey Reese. Pokey Reese. I was a big fan of Pokey Reese. Yeah. He was a first-round pick in 1991. He's the 20th overall pick. I didn't was realize. He really? Of the Reds? Was he always he with was the, the Reds? Reds? He was with the Reds. Yeah. Played five seasons with the Reds from 97 to 2001. His best season was 99. You remember that 99 season where they had to go to the one-game playoffs? Yes, yeah, with the Mets, right? Al Leiter. Cursed be his name. I was at that, I was at that <laughs> you game. You ever seen him on MLB t- uh, Network? No, I, re- I, I don't get it, but I refuse yeah, to watch that he, guy. He's on there. <laughs> I was excited to go to that game. Such a disappointment. Uh, yeah. He he hit 285 that year, had a 330 year. on base percentage, and slugged 417. If you're into war, he had a 4.3 war, which is really That's good. That's really good for a middle infielder That's guy. really good. Um, he batted 250 in his Reds career, but he was a great defender. That's what you always remember about Pokey is he could get to anything. Yeah. Uh, premium defender at second base. He also won a World Series. You know who won a World Series? I was going to ask you where he went after the Reds. Uh, he played a little with the Pirates, um, but he won a World Series with the Red Sox Is in 2004. Right? And he made four appearances in the World Series. Wow. That was the year the curse was broken, right? That's right. Before. Was he, he a was defensive specialist? That- he uh, he made four appearances in the World Series, mostly as a defensive replacement. Had one at bat and got out. Um, well, he was playing behind... 
Um, who plays shortstop for them? Garcia Parra was he on that? Was he their shortstop still? They traded Garcia. No, they Parra traded him before that. Yeah, right. season. Right. Uh, right. I think Pokey played the most games at short. I think it's kind of a revolving Is door. That right? But he didn't play in the world. He didn't start in the World Series. Interesting. I wonder who did. That old Pokey Reese. But he was a he was a good red. That's a good one. Yeah, I like it. It's a good name. Plus, too. it's a great name. It's a good name. Right, exactly. We love those nicknames. Yeah, we had Pokey. We had Pokey. Now we have Scooter. And you know, it's yeah. not quite as good. As, <laughs> never as good as Bumpus. Bumpus from Bumpus. Cedarville is the first. And I, you know, I, I struggle between Pokey and Reggie Sanders. And after your Reggie Sanders comment, I'm glad I went with, with Pokey. I just saw. That's all I remember. Reggie Sanders. But yeah, he had a great year that year. So, all right, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. So now we've had Lum, Reedus, Oster, and Reese. I like it. I like it. All right. Our, our uh, geeky stat of the week. Uh, I, I asked Nick, what's a stat you kind of like? And so we're going to go with, you, you call it O swing percentage? That's what I call it. And Z swing percentage. So it's two of several plate discipline statistics, Tom. I know you're... Oh, I love these. You're, you're, learning, you're learning your sabermetrics here. So... The O swing is swings at pitches outside the zone divided by pitches outside the zone. So it's the percentage of time you swing at pitches outside, pitch. outside the strike zone. And Z swing is inside the zone. Okay? Okay, so I'm just saying up front without hearing any more, Joey Votto's got to be near the top of the list. Yeah, well, I, I didn't look at league, um, but I looked at team, and he certainly is leads the team in that. Um, I'd be so interested I'll give in who you, else. Okay, team. Uh, we're going to go team first, all right? So team, the Royals um, swing the most of anybody outside the zone right now. Is that now. right? 33.8%, and the Indians are the least at 25.4. And the, where do you think the Reds rank? Top half, bottom half? I, I'd say top half. Better. Yeah, better they're 11th. Mm-hmm. They have the 11th best percentage in that, 28.6. Um, now the inside the zone... Uh, the Royals also lead in that, so the Royals just go up there hacking, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure it's working out for It's them. not really working out for them. They, think, they think they're the old lumber company from Pittsburgh, I think. And when you think <laughs> about that, it wouldn't work out. I mean, you, you're, the opposing pitcher could just pitch forever. Oh, yeah. Right? Cause yeah, yeah you got to be a little They're not that disciplined. The Red Sox swing the least inside the zone at 62.7. The Reds are the ninth highest at 67.2. So... For us, how does this relate? I, and this made sense to me. We'll, we're going to get Nick's take on this too. But how this uh, somewhat relates to some more familiar stats. Okay, so we see the Reds not swinging at a lot of bad pitches. You know, they're one of the better teams at not swinging at bad pitches. And they swing at strikes more than most people. All right, they're fifth in contact percentage, which is another one of these plate disciplines. The Astros are first by like 1.1% better than the Reds. So mm-hmm. the Reds are making contact about mm-hmm. as much as the Astros. The Astros are hitting about 15 points higher or 12 points higher, something like that. Reds are fifth in batting average in, major, in uh, I think it's in the majors, uh, 12, or is it National League? Did I look? I don't remember. No, how they are overall, they're fifth. They're fifth. Right. Okay, 12th in on base, fourth in slugging, and fourth in OPS, which makes sense because of the power that they have shown. And we got mm-hmm. two, two guys leading the league in home runs. And by the way, sixth in defense. Yes. So defensively and offensively. Right. So as far as that, they do that, and they're first, and they're still first in the NL in uh, offensive WAR, right? And only behind the Yankees, who are just incredible right yeah. now. They've got um, the judge. They've got the judge. So w- before we get to the Reds players, I want to why? What is it about these stats, Nick, that you see that, and what does it tell you, and how do you 
pieces together and thinking about things. Well, first you can you can be good in a variety of ways. There's not one O swing or Z swing percentage that is ideal, um, and you see that there's a lot of people who are pretty aggressive who are pretty successful. Shebler is is really aggressive and has been really successful. Um, but what I like to do, if you see somebody like Cozart, who who's had this big jump in performance and effectiveness, one of the things you can look at is has he changed his approach? Is he swinging yeah, that's at, a good question. at less pitches out of the zone, more pitches in the zone? And that's something that he's done this year. Actually, the only thing I can find that's really done this year is he's swinging at a significant percentage of fewer pitches outside the zone and getting himself out less doing that. Mm-hmm. He's actually swinging at fewer pitches inside the zone, too, just swinging So he's less. just generally being more selective. Yes, and his walk rate has jumped up a lot. Um, so less than two years ago? Because really, last year he was hitting good. Less than last year. Really? Um, so he um, only, was it third third of the season last year? Yeah, but he wasn't hitting 340. You know, he was, but he was hitting well. But yeah. for context, um, two years ago his O-swing percentage was about 31%. Um, which is about average. Last year is about 29, so they cut it down a little, and this year it's about 24. Wow. So from two years ago, to your point, it's about 7%, wow. which is a lot. That's you sure talk is. About it's a big change. About 1,000 pitches. We're talking about 70 pitches that he's wow. not swinging at. Um, and then the, the the other interesting guy on the Reds, at least, is Votto. Votto swinging at even fewer pitches outside the zone than he ever has. I would have never guessed that, by the way. I think he's been more aggressive this year. Well, th- that's but maybe a great not. Point. He's far more aggressive than he's ever been inside the zone. Wow. Um, he was about 68% swinging inside the zone last year. That's up to 75%, mm-hmm. which is a big jump. He is swinging a lot more pitches. Well, then we have noticed what we've noticed is true. Yeah. Although that's a that means that he's swinging more at good pitches. Which exactly. Is a, that's the key. Is and he's th- on a tear the past ten days, this, eight or ten days. This generally tells you: Are people swinging at good pitches? Are they being fooled by bad pitches? Um, and one of the guys you look at that's really struggling is Peraza, and he swings at a lot of pitches outside the zone. Yeah. Great hand-eye coordination, but it's hard to be successful if you're swinging at bad pitches yeah. frequently. Yeah, even though he's been hitting a little better the last week or so, but that's that. If he keeps doing that, he's still going to continue to be an up-and-down hitter, right? Right. He's got to be more disciplined, and he'll have more fewer ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. He'll, he'll he'll be a little more consistent. I feel like it would be hard to do that. I've never been a major league hitter. Oh yeah, yeah. but it would it's, be hard to make yourself stop swinging as much without striking out. That's, you know? what, that's what makes Cozart's change really impressive. Agreed. Is in his thirties, he has really changed the way he's attacking pitches. And well, I think it would be know, easier to do what Vado's done, to swing it more in the zone. That would mm-hmm. be easier, but to swing less overall, that yeah. would be tremendously hard. And I'll jump to one other thing, Cozart. I saw a piece on it. I saw it on TV. I read about it. He also has said that this year he his. When he, his stance is different. He rests the bat on his shoulder, mm-hmm. and he gets all those other swing thoughts out of his head, mm-hmm. and that helps. It's kind of like, you know, that's a good that's good golf um, advice too, right? When you when you get ready to hit the ball off the tee mm-hmm. or any time, you know, when you're ready to hit, just hit it. Don't stand there and look at it for ten seconds. You tense up, you tighten up, you start thinking too much, and I think it's sort of the same. That's probably that's helped him as well, and maybe mm-hmm. that's the reason. Maybe that helps him swing, be more selective as well. And you guys talked last week, I think, about uh, Vado's influence. 
And and that's something Vado does. If you watch him, he rests the bat on the shoulder. He also does the choke up thing, mm-hmm. which Suarez does a lot now. Yeah, he does. And at bats, and maybe he's starting to become that leader in the clubhouse that they need. Yeah, I've always wondered about that. Yeah, he doesn't so, seem like a great leader. Yeah, I bet he seems when when good things happen. I see him even more involved in the mm-hmm. celebration of things. Well, there's a story he about him win. taking uh, Jesse Winker, Winker to his house for a week really? in the off season and working on hitting with him. That's neat. Um, inviting him out. So it seems like he's trying to do some things. Maybe he was more individualized in the past working on his game, but he's trying to reach out to some people now. No, that's good. Makes him very valuable. I mean, he keeps going like he's going, and there's going to be a lot of com- – he's going to get a lot of um, – Consideration when it comes to MVP votes. If yeah, the Reds right now, you going. could say you have two yeah. top ten. Well, to your players. thing about the O swing, the difference between swinging outside the zone, Votto does it seventeen and a half percent of the time, and Peraza's almost forty percent, almost thirty nine percent. Wow! So that's a huge gap. That's the gap on the team. Shebler's thirty three, which probably why his average is what it is. But when, Boy, he, hits when it, he hits one, yeah. he hits it. You know, he he's he's his. You know, he swings at more pitches inside the zone than anybody on the team. So he's an aggressive hitter. When he learns to not be so over aggressive, I think he'll become an even better hitter. Not maybe. too not too many people learn that. Too, yeah, do they? yeah. And yeah. note on Votto, that seventeen and a half percent is the second best in all of baseball. Yeah, who's, 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 who's the best? best? Robbie Grossman from the um, Twins. I don't, I don't know, even know who, who is that. I don't know who that guy <laughs> is. How many bats has he had? Uh, I don't the know. minimum, right? I don't know. I got to look that up. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's um, any more any more on that discussion. We kind of other than other do you than have anything else you wanted to add to it. Well, I just would say that that offense, and you said some of the numbers. That offense is that's a contending offense right now. What the Reds? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Defense and offensively, they're a playoff team. Yeah, in bullpen. In bullpen. That's a, in that's bullpen. a contending team. They, yeah. There's one really important facet. Of it the just game. happens to be that <laughs> yeah, one just, facet is. Yeah, I mean, it might be the most important. Most important. Facet. Yeah. Um, yeah. They they just don't have right now. It makes you also wonder how bad would the pitching be. I mean, they'd be even worse if the defense wasn't exactly. so good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well. Which is an argument for having Billy out there. Exactly. You know, should I'm not sure. That's another thing I had here. Billy's future is a leadoff hitter. Um, you know, he – I was saying this. I was actually reading a blog post. Another Red Light Nation's getting all kinds of uh, all kinds of props here on our, on our podcast today. And uh, – Somebody put in a comment on it. I commented on a post the other day. I don't even remember what the whole thing was about, but another guy did. It was about Billy, and one guy pulled out some stats and showed, without having all the numbers, you know, Pete got on base more than Billy does, but Billy scores a higher percentage of the time when he does get on base than Pete ever did. Wow, sure. Which That's makes surprising. which isn't surprising, yeah. but it's a pretty it's a pretty good difference. It's not just like by two by one percent. It's it's pretty significant. Question is, should he be batting lead off? Should he bat eighth? I mean, he's he's batting he's leading off for one reason and one reason only. He's fast. Is that right. a good enough reason to be the leadoff guy? I mean, if we had another guy that was a pretty good leadoff guy, or another guy that could bat number two, or do you shift everybody up one and put Cozart at leadoff? Yeah, do that old thing and put him ninth again, like they did last year. Nobody's doing that. Is anybody doing that this year? Is Madden doing that with the Cubs? Eighth is an awful spot to hit because they're going to pitch around you to yeah. the pitcher. Well, as long as we don't have the DH in the National League. That's right. We're going to keep the pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> All 
I I like the picture. Yeah, I, like the picture. Right. I, I am outnumbered again. I Nick, you're invited am... back. <laughs> uh, oh well. Okay. I, I think as long as Billy's hitting over 250, and his on base percentage is over 300, how how much better across? He's the... more like a two. He's more like a 280, 360 on base guy than what the numbers are because. But is that? I mean, I the thing who's going to be who's going to do better? I don't know. That's the problem. I think the only option is what you said is Cozart because he's getting on base so much. Yeah. But you know, I you can be patient with a guy like Billy um, because he provides value in all these other ways. When he does get on oh, base, yeah. he creates havoc and defensively. Defensively, like he he had that home run yesterday mm-hmm. off the heel of his glove. I know. He had. I mean, how many guys can do that? No, that's a Ken Griffey Jr. kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, we've sort of talked about that a little bit. Um, We've uh, got a few minutes left here. Um, just want to look ahead a little bit. Three three of 15 games are, are on the road in the stretch that began in L.A. on Friday. And this is a 10-18 and 18 road team right now. So those three games... We're in San Diego, and then what? We coming? Then we're somewhere? No, we're coming home for three with LA. No, we got somewhere else, and then three home with LA, and then back on the road again. So starting from Friday, there's 15 games, and only three of them are at home, and they're against the Dodgers, and they're 10 and 18. That Probably doesn't bode well. Kershaw too. Probably hit Probably. Kershaw the second time. It'd be a miracle to miss missing twice, mm-hmm. but it didn't help us this time. But. I mean, we need we need a good series here with San Diego. We need to win two out of three of these. Um, that way, even if you have a, a buzzsaw. With L.A. again, okay. you're still okay in the in the long run, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we have been saying, I don't know if you heard it, Nick, we talked a couple, three weeks ago, we, we've revisited it. Like, we feel like, you know, we all raise the question, can this team stay within five games of first place at the All-Star break? And if they can and get healthy pitching, they got a chance to maybe at least contend and make September interesting. And, and Whether they can do it or not, at least September right, could be interesting. Right. And there's three out now. And there are three out now. And, and we've always but said we, what kills you sometimes is a one and nine skid. Which yeah, which could really, happen. I don't think it will. We've, we were worried it was going to happen this past week yeah. with St. Louis and L.A. Because they've been known to just totally be horrible against St. Louis. But that was, that was a that was terrific great. four games, right? So there's two factors here. There's 20... Starting tonight on Monday, uh, there are 26 games before the All Star break, and we're and we're in this big road heavy stretch. You still think? What you've I seen do. Lately, you still think, Tom? I do. I still think we can do it. I think Kim would probably say yes if he were here. You know. You, what do you think? Oh man, I, I didn't want you to ask me that. You don't. You, don't you want to say yes, but you don't know if you could. I'm so not, in 26 games left, they got to win. You're not betting. Your, 12 of them. You're not right? betting your firstborn on this. It's just a guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, the closer it gets to some of those guys getting back in the rotation, the better I feel about yeah. it. And so I, I think they've got a good chance. Uh, part of it is how good the Cubs play. Really, the, you would expect them at some point to go on a run. They've really struggled yeah. recently. Well, and the Brewers looking good, but they go out to Arizona, who's kind of like going, Reds going to L.A. Mm-hmm. Similar team playing good ball, and you just and they didn't have it. and they didn't have a good series in Arizona. Yeah. And you don't see Milwaukee running away with it either. Like you could see the Cubs. Well, yeah, based on their talent. When when it. do the people take the Brewers seriously though? When do they? Well, well I've taken the Brewers seriously in the past, and we've seen what's happened in July and August. You to know that they might be a good team. You just don't expect them to have a. Eight game lead at the end of well, the Well, they're going to hit the ball, right? Like they're going to yeah. hit the ball. That's a team that 
probably win eighty some game can win eighty some games. I don't know if they can win ninety though. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, as far as being five games back of first place, the All Star break. Yeah, this is remember we're recording this. Everyone's gonna hear this. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say just outside of that. Just outside uh, of that. Just outside of that. All right. Less than 10, but more, not more than, than five. Ten. More, more than, than, five. than five. All right. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right. We can finish up with our uh, trivia here. So last week, there was that play, 75 series, the Ed Armbrister play. Do you remember that at all? Have you heard about the stories of that or I don't seen that? that? All right. Well, there was a play. He bunted. And Fisk went out. Fisk went to get the ball, and Armbrister sort of they sort of danced a little bit, and and the, it ended up benefiting the Reds. Um, Fisk didn't win; they were throw somebody out. The Reds scored; they won that game in the series. Okay, and the umpire that was at the center of that was the home plate umpire, and he was on the TV, you know, being harassed by Red sure. Sox fans forever. So the question is, who was it? Who was that umpire? Do you have any clue, Tom? We've talked about this before. Oh, did we talk about it? So what's his name? I can't remember. Oh. <laughs> I don't I remember players, not umpires. Dave Barnett. Dave Barnett. Okay, he was the umpire. Okay. So that was an interesting question from Kim. Kim's not here, so I got one. And we we've actually mentioned two of these guys in this podcast already. So there's a third one. Now we're not gonna answer it. Right. But I wanna you know, if you think you know it, say yeah, I know that. I I think I know this one. Three Reds pitchers. Wait a minute. He, he, he's the yeah, no, no, no. He, he he saw my notes. I saw the notes. What three Reds <laughs> pitchers have thrown two no hitters? So there's three. We have mentioned two. We have mentioned two. So who do you know them? Do you know who the third I one is? I certainly know the two. Third. That they've thrown in their whole career or for the As Reds? a red. As a red. Hmm. All right, will you ponder that? Because I was gonna say I was going to say Tom Seaver, but... No, he only threw one. But, and I didn't know if maybe he threw one for some no, reason. No, no, he didn't throw any. No, not even when he went to the White Sox. But, of course, he didn't with the Mets because the Mets didn't throw him no hitter until, you know, a few years ago. Um, That's a great question for the... For, I think most Reds fans will know two, right? But, yeah. Well, yeah, because the one is a famous feat, and the other one's recent. There's another one in between, mm-hmm. and who was it? Um, anyway, he was before my time, I'll say that, and your time. Well, we were alive. Just a tad before my We were a little too. bit alive for some of it, but not much. So that kind of tells you when it was. So great, That's a great question. Yeah. So, well, Nick, we appreciate you being here with us. And, uh, that was fun. You, you got to come back. Had a good yes, time. this was fun. Hope you had a good time. Um, and uh, so we'll see what happens in these all these road trips and and uh, late night 10 p.m. games. I know Tom uh, Tom doesn't quite make it to the last pitch of those games. I'm an old man. He's no, a, I, I got little kids. I don't, I you don't, don't come make, close to me. You don't make <laughs> it. No, 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 no. I made it one night. I fell asleep the other night, and I heard him. And I was asleep, and Mezzarocco hit that home run, and it woke me up, and I sat up, and I backed it up. And, no, they got, how'd they get the guys up? So I backed it up on the DVR to see what there happened and, uh, and, and, and then caught up. with. And then I was wide awake, and then they didn't win. That's anyway. the way to do it. Then they didn't win, so um, I try stay up some, but I won't. I won't make it tonight. I got to be up tomorrow morning pretty early. And we so. may we may be a little delayed on our next podcast because there's a big event happening in the well, maybe. Gilbert world. Maybe, maybe. Well, we might be. Yeah, I might. I have a daughter getting married next Sunday on Father's Day, and uh, so we'll see if we can gather next Monday. You feel or like Tuesday. it on Monday? Yeah, you know, it's, it'll be everything will be over with. We're having a little family cookout for lunch. But get together. I'm gonna have a bunch of people in my house. Maybe we'll come to your house or something. You know, we'll have to move the studio. So, 
anyway, well, again, Nick, thanks for being here. And uh, Kim, wherever you are, uh, we wish you well. Don't, you know, stay in your canoe and and uh, don't get off the trail and enjoy your time out west. So with that, we'll just say join us next time. And we'll be here, even though the Reds will rarely be at home the rest of June. Go Reds. Go Reds. Go Reds.